back with Dr. Brooke Bauer, the Assistant Professor of USC Lancaster and a citizen of the Catawba Nation as we talk about Catawba Nation during the Revolution. Welcome back, Dr. Bauer. Thank go. you. It's good to be here. In our last episode, we ended with uh, King or Chief uh, Heirs or Ears. Mm -hmm. King or Chief? He was just Colonel. So where did we go from there? He obviously was on the outs. Yeah, he was on the outs. He was deposed. And uh, a Colonel Fro, or Pro, or Joe, is written in different ways. He came into the leadership role, but he didn't stay for long either. So this is still 1760s? This is, yeah. They went without a designated leader for a couple of years, but by the 1770s, Fro is definitely in charge, at least as a speaker you know, as the head speaker. When you say colonel, it makes me think they had a militia. No, they didn't. Um, as the American Revolution got closer, the Catawbas did away with that king label. And they started to use general and colonel and major. And so this is already happening right before the American Revolution. And so Colonel Fro, he didn't stay in his position for very long because he was an alcoholic. In fact, in during the American Revolution, they left him here in South Carolina. And I'm sure we'll get to that in a few minutes. But Catawba's initially heard about the possibility of war between Britain and its colonists. And they were alarmed. They didn't know what was going on. So why are you fighting your own people? And so two runners were sent down to Charleston to talk to the uh, Council of Safety. When they got there, they were told that your father across the ocean is making us pay more for goods and threatening to take our land. And I think about that and I just... Huge irony there. There's a lot of irony there and I imagine that those two Catawba men probably looked at each other. Maybe they even said something to each other in Catawba like, well, now the shoe's on the other foot. Yeah. So they take the information back to the Catawba leader and you know, I imagine that there was a lot of discussion before Catawbas decided to um, take the side of the Patriots or take the side of the British. But when you have all these hamlets, mm -hmm. did they come together at a particular place? They would have come together in the, um, one of the main towns. Do you know which town they would have? I don't know. Okay. I all don't right. know. Would it be in one particular it would have been in a council house. In a council house. So yeah. we have different types of buildings within those hamlets. Right. A council house, describe that to me. A council house is built very much like their houses. It's a little bit larger. And on the inside, it has benches all around the wall Fair with uh, cane-woven like blankets on top of those benches. And then seating below those benches. And then there probably would have been a fire in the center of the council house. Right. But it was really dark. Yeah. Um, and both men and women 
would have attended this meeting. Did both men and women speak in attendance? They would have. They would have. They would have. Now, we don't have any kind of evidence to tell us about this meeting, but it's been Catawba tradition forever that both, both men and women attend the council meeting. So the delegates come back from Charleston. Mm-hmm. They come to the council. They have, they have this huge meeting with everybody. Are your, your representatives from each, each hamlet, or does everybody as the Catawba Nation come? It would have been everyone except the children. Okay. Anyone right. who wanted to be there. And I imagine they would have, have discussed what the possibilities of war would bring to the Catawba Nation, the Catawba people. They knew that the French and Indian War was over land. The American Revolution, based on what the delegate from the Council of Safety said, this war is also going to be over land. And they are probably trying to figure out how do we fit into this? How are we going to protect our land base? The second thing is they are friends with some of the local leaders, white leaders in uh, Kershaw, in Camden. They knew Sumter. They knew Williamson. Um, did they know Sumter? Yeah. They did? Yeah, they, they fought alongside Sumter at least in two battles, maybe more, and they took Sumter and his men in as refugees in 1780. They took them into their town, hid them, and fed them. So they did, they did know Sumter. The Catawbas are involved in a lot of the battles, and especially in 1776, because there's already this tension between the Catawbas and the Cherokee. And the Cherokee had been coming south into the Piedmont region, attacking the white settlements, killing white settlers. And the Catawbas, along with Matthew Toole, the trader, would end up going after them. So there's already that tension that exists, and they're probably going after one another, both the Cherokees and the Catawbas going after one another for killing a relative. So it's blood vengeance. It's hard. You couldn't remain neutral. In, no, you... In especially the back country of South Carolina. Exactly. The colonists couldn't remain neutral. The Indians couldn't remain, remain neutral. Right. If they did, they would get swallowed up in the whole conflict. Oh, yeah. So at what point does Chief New River come on the scene? Oh, General New River. Oh, I'm sorry. General, General New, New River. River. So he comes into uh, leadership after Colonel Fro, and uh, he marries at some point in probably the 1780s, 1770s, 1780s. He marries Sally, who was the daughter of Matthew Toole and King Hagler's daughter. So she becomes Sally New River. And it's thought that General New River was once a Scot. His surname was Scott. But when he was in a battle along the New River, he was successful in defeating his enemy and took on the name New River and was quoted as saying that he would never use any other name. 
So he's in leadership position during the American Revolution. What were their first battles? Their first battles would have been down near Sullivan's Island. They were involved in that battle. And they fought as far away as Georgia. They fought in Wilmington. Did they fight at Stono River? Yes, they did. Um, they fought and at the Utah campaign. Springs. They ate at Charleston. I'm not sure how far into the city they went. Mm -hmm. But they fought at Hanging Rock, Guilford County Courthouse. We were talking before our episode that I had actually found a statement that they were at Pyle's Massacre, mm -hmm. where Pickens was there, General Lenore from, mm -hmm. from Lenore, North Carolina, he was there, or one of the Grahams was there. And I suspect and Catawbas were there because at one point during the war, they did serve under Pickens. Is that right? Yeah, or they rode alongside him. So did they fill out petition applications later on? The only um, bill that we have is one where they served under Captain Drennan, D-R-E-N-N-A-N. Okay. There were 25 Catawbas, Catawba men, who were each paid 10 pounds to serve at that time. Where was that? That would have been here in this area. Of the, in South Carolina. In somewhere. South Carolina. Okay. The back country of South Carolina, sure. uh, because Drennan was under Sumter. So anywhere between Sumter, South Carolina, and Rock Hill, South Carolina, to give current landmarks. Sure. What happened to New River through the Revolution? So he's, he's, he's at these battles. Mm -hmm. Was he at Cowpens? I'm not sure. Or Kings Mountain? Or some of those, later, those, those bigger battles right in there? You know, it would be really interesting. I think this would be a wonderful research project for someone to look to see if Catawbas actually fought at Kings Mountain. When the British came through here, when, they, when Gates lost and then hightailed it back to North Carolina, didn't the Catawba end up in North Carolina with friends up around Hillsborough? Well, it's questionable about where they ended up. Okay. So what happened is this is right after... Um, Tar Tarleton's Massacre in 1780, the summer of 1780. And Cornwallis and Rawdon, Francis Rawdon, were coming in from, from Camden towards the Catawba towns. And they send some kind of message to, I don't know if it was written or they sent a runner into the Catawba towns and said, we want you on our side. But if you choose not to be on our side, we're going to destroy everything. We will destroy your towns, your crops. You will have nothing. And we will take your women and children. So the population is really small at this time. It's probably maybe around 200. That's women and children and men yeah, all together? Yeah. That's not very many people. That's not many people. So... The men get all the women and children and the elderly together, and they take them out of the towns and they head north. Well, we know for certain that they go past the Moravian settlements near Winston-Salem. The Moravians told them to leave. They didn't want them anywhere nearby. It's suspected, and it's been argued, but there's no evidence there, that they went to live among the Pamunkey because there's already a relationship between the two groups. Where are they? They're on, they were on the um, 
coast of Virginia. All the way to the coast? Yeah. That was a long hike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long did they stay with him? Well, they didn't return. I don't know if they stayed with them, but they did not return to their homes until um, April of 1781. So they're gone for a good period of time. When they returned, all their crops had been burned. Their homes have, had been burned. Even their livestock was gone. Now, whether the British did that, that's open to debate. Sure. Anybody could have come in and taken the livestock. But the thing is, is they had to rebuild completely. And they're not very unlike other tribal groups in the Northeast and in the Southeast that are having to do the same thing because of this war. It's interesting. I was talking to Kurt Johnston over at Andrew Jackson State Park, and he was saying that Andrew Jackson's mom and family, clannish family, Scotch-Irish, mm -hmm. they left too. They all left yeah. and went up that way and stayed with friends of their family. Right. Uh, and, and they did not return till, uh, you know, a while later when the British came up there, they went, oh, well, they're not down at our place anymore, so they came back right. at that point. And you don't think about the refugee problem mm -hmm. when you think in terms of the revolution, but that's exactly what that was. That is. Refugees taking out the, the back country of South Carolina and overwhelming these communities north of them. Yeah. Right, up into North Carolina and exactly. Virginia and stuff. And, and uh, 200 people showing up in an Indian village on the coast of Virginia, that could be overwhelming to that particular... And you would think that someone would have noted it somewhere. Right. I mean, even though that's a small number of people, that's a, a fairly decent-sized group. Well, that, that's fascinating to me that we don't think in terms of that because we always romanticize the wars now because it's the War of Independence. You know, this mm -hmm. is the founding of our country. And we forget about all these the human interactions that actually went along with that, and that there were actually refugees, people war to, a war torn area yeah. that was a slash and burn situation. It was that, uh, that when the British came in, they took no prisoners. They they knew that it was a war, and they were mm -hmm. they were doing what they could to. And that was the same with the Patriots. That's right. They went in and they mowed down the Cherokee towns. That's right. Well, what happened after the war? After the war, most of their life, the men, the Catawba men, had been warriors and hunters. They had something to do. Now they didn't. There were no more wars. Um, and so a lot of Catawba men, Catawba hunters, they ended up going to Europe in Wild West shows. Do you know any of the names of some of those shows? I don't know, but we have a photograph of um, one Catawba who's with Kit Carson's son in one of those shows. So okay. that's much later. Yeah, that's much later, but that's that's still Louisiana Purchase time mm -hmm. time period right there, right? Yeah. So right after that. But um, and there are newspaper articles that talk about the Catawbas being in these shows in Ireland. Do tell. Yeah, um, a Charles Mueller was um, kind of like an agent that paid for them to go over and perform in Ireland. They also went to England. And on the England 
trip, those Catawba men that went, most of them didn't return because they either got sick from disease and died or they lost their lives in the trip back. And there are a lot of stories like that. And so when you only have 200 people in your nation at that moment, and then one or two people, one or two young men that makes a coming, huge dent. coming out of that nation, yeah. it does make a huge dent. That's and significant. That's why I believe that you start to see more intermarriage between Catawbas and other tribes, but also the surrounding whites. They weren't legal marriages between Catawba and non-Catawba, but... Legal in terms of whose who's governing body? South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina did Was not... Was it legal in terms of the Catawba nation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. South Carolina didn't recognize Catawba, non-Catawba, non-Indian, I guess I should say, non-Indian marriages okay. until... 1960. Puts it in perspective, doesn't it? It does. And the only reason they changed it then is because this was when the division of assets was happening as a result of federal termination. And they want the state wanted to get their hands on that land. Uh, part of the problem with uh, the Catawba Nation being taken over in this area is because they started leasing out the land to the whites mm -hmm. and then the whites just were on it so long they didn't recognize the leases anymore and they just kind of took it away from the Catawbas. Well, yeah. it's a little bit more complex than that. Okay. It had to do with politics. Um, so in South Carolina in the early 1800s on up to 1840, if you leased land, you didn't have a legal right to vote. You didn't have a legal right to take a political position within the state. So William Pettus, he was elected to go to Charleston and represent the backcountry. When he got there, they refused to let him in because he didn't have the simple title to the land he so-called owned. And so there's this big push after that for the state to take Catawba land, to start negotiations to get Catawba land. And by 1840, that's exactly what happened. So it's all, it revolves around politics. It revolves about around representation, the right to vote. And this was a big deal. Mm -hmm. This is why we fought the American Revolution. Interesting how it comes full circle there. Uh, the Cherokee had a similar situation with the way they viewed land rights versus the way the Europe, you know, the Americans viewed land rights, and they were caught in between there. Mm -hmm. um, what would you want people to take away from their, their trip here? From the trip at the center, I want, would love for people to take away that not just Catawbas, but indigenous people are still here. You know, we might be standing right next to you in the grocery store line, and you may not even know it. We have a living culture. It's lasted for hundreds, even thousands of years. And I would love to or walk away with the knowledge that South Carolina wouldn't be the state it is without Catawbas. Well, in that vein, what does liberty mean to you? To me, it, it basically means having the freedom 
to get an education, to buy and drive my own car, the freedom to get a license, um, the freedom to marry whomever I want. So those, that's kind of the general idea. You know, it's some of the little things that we just take for granted as a, as a people. Um, and I guess that the other thing is not just freedom for myself, but freedom for all Native people. Because I think today in 2020, there's a threat there that that freedom is going to be impinged on. Thank you so much, Doc. You have been listening to an episode of History Men. As a part of our project, we would like to hear from you, the listener. What are your ideas of freedom? What does liberty mean to you? Send your comments to historyman1781 at gmail.com. We will review the comments to better our format, and we may even include them on future episodes. You may find us on the web at ekbarns.com, on Facebook at historyman1781, and of course, our History Man podcast on Podbean, Spotify, and iHeartRadio where we walk in the footsteps of heroes and proclaim freedom reigns.